Ho, ho, ho. What's up, everybody? This is Mike. We heard you've all been very good boys and girls this year. So we thought we would bring you some tidings of great joy with our special Christmas edition of the Pop Punk Project. I'm here with my little helper. Hey there, buddy. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Oh, good. We decided that since everybody was so good this year, we'd surprise you with this bonus episode. And if you're on the naughty list, do not listen. It's going to be on the uh, honor system here, Mike. Yeah. So, Kanal, please turn this off now. Yeah, Kanal, you're not allowed to hear the rest of this. So what we decided for this episode, Mike, you and I both chose our four top pop punk Christmas songs. Yeah, there's some originals, some covers, but we'll get to that when we get to that. So why don't we slide down that chimney, Mike? Let's sled in. Sled in? <laughs> Let's tobog in. Oh! <laughs> Wee! Mike, what in the world was going on in the year zero? Well, Keenan, as you probably already know, but for our viewers at home, <laughs> Christmas is the great, wonderful thing. Here's a little bit of history for you. Are you really just going to read this thing? <laughs> oh, yes. God. Okay. <laughs> this was all independently researched by our, um, our team. That's right. The nativity sequence included in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke prompted early Christian writers to suggest various dates for the anniversary. Although no date is indicated in the Gospels, early Christmas connected Jesus to the Son through the use of such phrases as Son of Righteousness. Various factors contributed to the selection of December 25th as the date of the celebration. It was the date of the winter solstice on the Roman calendar, and it was nine months after March 25th, the date of the vernal equinox, and a date linked to the conception of Jesus, now called the Annunciation. And Kenan, the first recorded Christmas celebration was in Rome on December 25th, A.D. 336. Wow. How about that, Mike? Thanks so much for that riveting account of the history of Christmas. The good news is at least the Iraq war wasn't happening at that time. So That's true. There was no Iraq war in the year zero. Very good point. I had never actually learned the history of Christmas, just the true meaning behind Christmas, which, of course, is Christ. I thought the meaning of Christmas was toys and candies. <laughs> Isn't that the true meaning? No, Keenan. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? It's, uh, Charlie Brown. Oh, is that Charlie Brown? Mm-hmm. That was my Charlie Brown impression. About to dive into some more impressions? No. Okay, good. Before we get started, Keenan, what are some general themes in the pop punk Christmas genre? So that's a good question, Mike. There are many songs that are just straight-up covers of famous Christmas songs. There are also a lot of original songs, and some of them are pretty well-meaning and I think pretty heartfelt, but I've noticed that probably half of them are actually pretty pessimistic and cynical when it comes to Christmas, holidays. There's a lot of very negative pop-punk Christmas songs out there, which I actually think is pretty on-brand for the genre. Yeah, so I guess you could say this subsect of pop punk is it runs along the same lines as the genre as a whole it does yeah of course there's some happy upbeat songs but for the most part we're uh pretty pissed off upset 
That's the punk roots, Mike. It is. I would have it no other way. So the first song that we put on our list, Mike, it's one of your favorite pop punk Christmas songs of all time, isn't it? That's right, Keenan. Track number one, Blink-182's I Won't Be Home for Christmas. first thing that I notice when listening to the song is it's very much a vintage Blink sound, like a song you would hear from Dude Ranch or one of their earlier albums. The song itself was released in 1997 originally, and then was re-recorded in 2001, and I think included in some sort of pop-punk compilation Christmas album. Yeah, it's definitely older-sounding Blink. I never realized it was recorded as far back as 97. And actually with original drummer Scott Rayner. So Travis really isn't even on this song. No, he's not. And I think that's what makes it partially that older sound is that you hear Scott's drumming, which is very different from Travis Barker drumming, as we know. That's right. Yeah, it's not really a drum-heavy song. This, I think, is the first instance of a pop-punk band creating a Christmas song. It's an original song. And it's a more cynical perspective of the holidays. Throughout the song, there's themes of Mark, who's the lead singer on the song, hating the holidays, hating the people around him, hating carolers, chasing carolers with a bat at one point, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say Mark is a real Grinch in this song. Definitely a Grinch in this song. And then I guess I must have snapped because I grabbed the baseball bat and made them all run for shelter. It's Christmas time again. And it does have a bit of a story behind it. It's a bit much, Keenan, if you ask me. Mark is decorating with his girlfriend. A group of carolers is going around the neighborhood singing. And Mark gets so enraged that he chases them with a baseball bat, is arrested, taken to jail, and accosted while in jail. Yeah, there's definitely a jail scene. By a man named Bubba. <laughs> And thus, due to this chain of events, he won't be home for Christmas because this all takes place on Christmas Eve. So he spends the night in jail, which I was wondering, the song doesn't allude to whether or not he actually made contact with any of these carolers. If you just chase somebody down the street with a baseball bat, is that enough to actually take you in to jail or? Oh, yeah. You think? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I shouldn't try it? Yeah, I don't think you should try it. Um, well, 
Maybe. Yeah, it might be worth a try, but I'm pretty sure you can still get in trouble for that, yeah. I just wasn't sure if it was like, you know, the intention to harm was there, whether or not you actually beat them over the head or not. doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think if you're threatening somebody that aggressively, they could <laughs> find something to charge you with, yeah. What if they were on his property? It's just self-defense. That's true. Yeah, I don't think the uh, song really gets into the logistics <laughs> behind <laughs> the legality of where they were uh, located and how far they made it up his property. That's right. My defense attorney reviews my case. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he'll be my saving grace. There are a couple pretty hilarious lyrics that stand out. You had alluded to one already, the jail scene. And even though the jail didn't have a tree, Christmas came a night early because a guy named Bubba unwrapped my package. What? <laughs> Is he talking about uh, what we think he was talking about here, Mike? I think so. When we discussed My Chemical Romance's song, you know what they do to guys like me in prison, I didn't think we would approach the subject of prison culture for a long time, and yet here we are. So, Oh, yeah. We find a way. Classic pop-punk Christmas theme, jail culture. And if you listen to the song, which our recommendation is maybe listen to the songs along with us, that might be uh, nice. But along with that line, there's like sound effects in the song. Yeah. So after that line, there's a guy that just goes, oh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it makes it even worse. It's like a very cartoonish song. It's good, though. I mean, it's it's kind of like old school Blink, where they weren't afraid to push the envelope a little bit and talk about these pretty offensive themes. Another line that I really like, there's a forced rhyme in this song. My girlfriend's by my side, hanging sickles of ice. Yeah. So I love the, like twisting rewording icicles to sickles of ice just to fit that line he also says at one point oh god i hate these satan's helpers as opposed to santa's helpers this mark hoppus guy's a real genius <laughs> <laughs> i think that's when he's talking about the carolers too he really hates the carolers yeah exactly yeah, yeah santa and satan has anybody ever well yeah actually they probably have i think it's pretty common actually but that movie like santa's sleigh i think that yeah. was a demonic santa so this had me thinking, Mike, clearly this isn't a great Christmas. Do you have any like weird or bad Christmas memories without getting too, you know, too serious about it? <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I, I really don't. Um, mm. You're a lucky boy, Mike. <laughs> I can't point to one as <laughs> the worst Christmas ever, I guess. Yeah. There's always like some funny stories that happen around Christmas time because you're getting together with so many different people. Things are bound to happen. Right. One that comes to mind is, it was when I was younger, so I was probably six or seven, and my sister is two years younger than me, and I remember my, my Aunt Teresa had bought us presents, and we still talk about it. It was just kind of funny. She had bought me a magic eight ball that was leaking, so I <laughs> opened the package, and there's, it was just like water. And this oh, what is that liquid? I don't know. It has to be some like gelatinous kind of thing to like hold the dye inside of it i guess so i always thought it was magic water <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure it's magic water so that was the first gift and everybody's like oh, what are the odds like whatever <laughs> no big deal and then she gave my sister a doll and 
It wasn't like an American girl. It was just like a random run-of-the-mill doll. Yeah. So she opened the box for the doll, and the doll had the wired ties that like hold it on the package. It was wrapped around her neck. What? And there was like a plastic bag over the doll's head. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So That's something like... that would scar a little kid for life. <laughs> yeah. We were all opening presents, like our big extended family all just sitting around going, you know, one at a time. Yeah. Everybody was just honed in on this doll and it was like oh and it was naked too it was naked oh good with metal wire around its neck and a plastic bag over its head she trying to send a message to you and your sister that's what it sounds like no that that was the worst part is she was just trying to do a nice thing and get some little presents for all the nieces and nephews yeah and it just turned out that she got really unlucky with our gifts and so did we because we ended up really not really getting gifts (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like those might have been like dollar store purchases yeah, if not dollar store, maybe like supermarket, like not a yeah, yeah. But um, it was a magic eight ball. It wasn't like a magic six ball or anything. Yeah, true. <laughs> do you think you have magical powers now that you touch that liquid? Maybe. <laughs> if I do, I hope they manifest soon. Either that or tetanus, one or the other. <laughs> or tetanus, yeah. <laughs> so that's not even a worst. That's actually more of a joyful memory now. That's a funny story. Yeah, it's a funny story. But what terrible thing has happened to you at Christmas time? <laughs> Oh, where do I even begin? No, same as what you were saying. I don't think I have any like really bad Christmas stories, but there was one funny year where I think the gifts kind of went awry. I'm still not entirely sure what my parents were going for with this, but there was one Christmas where in addition to like one or two legitimate gifts that they gave us that were very well thought out and heartfelt, my mom also decided to wrap like a bunch of things that we already had around the house and like re-gift them. She like wrapped an old meatloaf CD that was sitting in the basement for years and was just like, oh, here's this gift. And I was like, thanks. Why? <laughs> That's like uh, Aunt Edna in Christmas Vacation. Yeah, exactly. Oh, kid, she, she's old. She just wraps things she finds around the house. <laughs> yeah. One year, my parents just decided to do that. And I still to this day, I don't know if it was like a joke, if it was like a practical joke on us or if they just like ran out of things and realized this isn't enough gifts to give our kids this year. So we all got like a couple... uh re-gifted things from around the house shane got like an old book that we had already read a couple times so that was fun (laughs) similar like not a bad experience like a funny story yeah who had originally bought the meatloaf cd my parents like meatloaf i think (laughs) they're both like pretty into meatloaf. it wasn't even one of your interests (laughs) no no they gave us like an old cd that i think somebody had given them and they already had a copy of it like oh we'll just give this to keenan this year this year for christmas we're gonna open up your mind with the music of meatloaf yeah. Yeah. Man, if only I took to that, we'd be having a whole nother podcast right now, the Meatloaf podcast. <laughs> the Yacht Rock podcast. Yeah, exactly. You need to get a definitive answer because I could totally see that being like, hey, Francis, you know, it would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, Allison and Francis Clark, if you're listening in, please email us at poppunkprojectgmail.com. We would love some answers. That's right. Abby and I had that same conversation today because Jack is one and a half and has no idea what he's doing from time to time, and his attention span is very short. So so you might get him a meatloaf CD, is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just going to wrap up some of the toys he doesn't play with every day and just pretend like they're new again. Yeah, dude, you should call my mom. She'll give you some tips. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Track number two, Fallout Boy. You'll shoot your eye out. You'll spelled Y-U-L-E, as I'm sure you can imagine. 
Similar to the Blink song, also a pretty cynical perspective of the holidays and of Christmas. Sort of a story behind it too. I think it's really about a high school-aged couple or a college-aged couple that break up. And then the guy, the lead singer of the song, is dreading going home to see this girl because he knows that they kind of went their separate ways. But obviously during the holidays, everybody finds their way back home and you see old acquaintances and he just is not looking forward to crossing paths with this girl again. The other thing that I love about some of these songs is you can really pinpoint when in the band's career it was released. Oh, yeah. Like, I think this one came out right around From Under the Cork Tree. And it is just so that time period of Fall Out Boy. They have the classic thing. They refer to themselves as boys. Yep. One of the first lines is, you never wanted the nice boys anyway. They love doing that. And then there's just the dramatic fallout boy chorus. So Pat Stump says, the gifts you're receiving from me will be one awkward silence and two hopes you cry yourself to sleep staying up waiting by the phone. Pretty normal things to feel after a relationship ends, right? <laughs> yeah. And he continues with, and all I want this year is for you to dedicate your last breath to me before you bury yourself alive. <laughs> just, a classic Christmas song, Mike. <laughs> it just goes from this, I hope you're sad, I hope you regret dumping me to like, bury yourself alive yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Dude, it's very Pete Wentz. I mean, come on. But no, you're right. This did come out in November 2003, and it was written for A Santa Cause, It's a Punk Rock Christmas. And that was another compilation album that I think was to benefit uh, an AIDS foundation. But you're right. It was sort of in the meat of their career, kind of early middle of their career when they were writing songs exactly like this on just a regular basis. It's funny. I mean, it's kind of a classic Fall Out Boy theme. Yeah. So I guess that would place it between their Take This to Your Grave and From Under the Cork Tree album. So. And I did read an interview. It was from 2012 or so. Pete Wentz did an interview where they revisited the song and he said, maybe that was a bit overdramatic. I don't think it was awful. I think monotonous would be a better word. I think when you are a punk rock kid in the suburbs, the holidays represent the biggest version of the monoculture. How could you not take a shot at it? When we were recording from under the cork tree, we would make a band Christmas card that said Christmas is canceled. What is more funny than saying that? <laughs> wow. A comedic genius. <laughs> nothing funnier than that mike <laughs> but reading that i actually got sad because christmas is almost canceled this <laughs> oh no it's as close to canceled as it's gonna get he was just looking into the future looking to 2020 yeah 
in Pete Wentz's defense, it does sort of bring up that feeling of, in particular, when you're in college and you come back for the holidays and all of a sudden you're seeing all these old faces. And I do feel like a lot of times it's not always the people you want to see. It doesn't have to be like an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, but just like people you weren't super close with who you're bumping into at the mall or in your neighborhood and you're just like, okay, it's weird to see these people again. My life has kind of moved on from them. Yeah, I hate when all your old classmates just show up in your neighborhood one night. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the worst? And then you run outside with a baseball bat, chase yeah. them away, yeah. and go to jail. It is funny. You're right. It's never You never accidentally reconnect with the people you might want to. It's always just, oh my gosh, what do I even say to this person? Yeah, it's never comfortable. I'm thinking it's usually like a bar or maybe just a random friend's party where a bunch of people are going. Or even just like going shopping and you bump into people and you're like, oh, God, now I need to talk to this person again. (laughs) But I mean, that's kind of the negative view of it. The positive view is you got to come home for Christmas and see all your friends who all went their separate ways. So it just depends how you look at it. If you're Pete Wentz, you're clearly looking at the negative side of it. Yeah. And Christmas is a tough time if you're going through a breakup because for whatever reason, the holidays do bring with them a ton of emotions. It's like happy emotions, sad emotions. So if you're feeling hurt and dumped maybe you do wish that the person would bury themselves alive (laughs) yeah but maybe you just don't record it in an album that's about christmas and let the world hear it but something that you just kind of stuff deep down yeah (laughs) no but it is one of my favorite christmas songs mike and it's cool because it's an acoustic fallout boy sound which is always good yeah they make awesome acoustic songs um they have one ep that's mostly acoustic songs that i really love so yeah. The fact that it's acoustic is awesome. Yeah, I love acoustic. <laughs> acoustic rocks, dude. And it's the second song in a row that mentions being home for Christmas. That's true. Mark from Blink isn't going to be home because he's in jail. Fall Out Boy is telling their ex-lover, don't come home for Christmas. Right. And I was thinking, have you ever not been home for Christmas or or not spent it with family? No, I've always been home for Christmas. So there was never a year you're just like, I'm going to stay at college this year by myself. <laughs> um, no, I opted out of that option. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think some people get overwhelmed by having to go home and see their family and stuff, but I still wouldn't want the alternative of just eating Chinese food by myself. Well, yeah. Well, that's what these songs are mentioning. They're saying that going home for Christmas isn't always the best thing, right? Yeah. Especially if you have this awful ex that's going to bump into you at the mall. True. And do we mention it's acoustic? It is acoustic. <laughs> so that's cool, too. Track number three, Keenan. My Chemical Romance. All I Want for Christmas is You. Wait, isn't that Mariah Carey? Wait a minute. Something's wrong. Did you write that down incorrectly? <laughs> Believe it or not, I got that right. MCR did a Mariah Carey cover. Man, oh, man. Make my wish 
It was featured in Kevin and Bean's Christmas Time in the 909, which was released in 2004. And as we all know, Kevin and Bean were hosts of the morning show for K-Rock in L.A. <laughs> Everybody knows that, right? You knew that. <laughs> yeah, I love Kevin and Bean. Yeah. The dude stole my nickname. <laughs> Keen Bean. Kevin and Bean is basically just Keen Bean. So, big fan. So if you think about it, this was 2004, so that was before Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. So MCR really wasn't the huge name that they became. They probably were pretty excited to record this song for Kevin and Bean. That's right, yeah. This was probably a big deal for them at the time. But I do love that they picked this song. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time, the Mariah Carey version, the original. Yeah, it's one of my favorites as well. I mean, I think it's like everybody, it's like everybody's favorite christmas song of all time basically yeah i kind of have a gripe about that because i feel like i liked it before okay look look the song came out here we go the song came out in 1994 so i'm not saying i was four years old like bopping around the house to mariah carey did it really come out in 1994 yeah that's a lot earlier than i remember yeah well that's the thing because i contend that in recent years it's become almost like Memeish, you know, like it's yeah. all over the place. And I just remember loving it 10 or so years ago. Yeah, that's pretty sick, dude. You're right. You <laughs> discovered it. <laughs> Everybody else is, they're just posers. Thank you. <laughs> you deserve all the credit for discovering Mariah Carey. Well, I was at McGillan's one night. Here's the funny part. In the moment, I thought it was hilarious. It could be kind of cringy if you look back at it now, but. Oh, boy. It was September, but they had this on, like, the jukebox, and so I played it, and, like, everybody loves this song. Like, this past September? No, 2013. I'm sorry, did you say that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think McGillan's is even open right now. I, I guess. Know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what are you doing out? Shouldn't you be quarantining with your family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, honey... Please put the baby to bed. I'm going to play Mariah Carey at McGillan's. Like, I got to go to McGillan's <laughs> to play some Christmas <laughs> songs in the summer. But I thought it was, like, late. I'm like, this is a great sing-along song. But every time I put it on, they would skip to the next song. So, mm. and I remember thinking, it's a Christmas song, but it's one of those songs where I would listen to it all, all year round. It's just a good song. But I want to bring it back because we're not talking about Mariah Carey's version. We're talking about Gerard Way's version. And I think... This is a hard song to cover because Mariah just has, like, the perfect voice for it. Obviously, it was written for her, but I think Gerard Way does a really incredible job putting his spin on it. Yeah, for sure. You're never going to be better than Mariah Carey singing this song, but at least with a pop-punk lens on it, yeah, he does a great job. And it's very edgy. Like, it's probably one of the edgier songs that we're going to talk about. It's just more, like... It's a more raw punk sound than the rest of these Christmas songs, I think. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason I love pop punk alternative Christmas songs is it is these tough guys, and, and in MCR's case, these dark and moody guys, and they're just letting loose and covering Mariah Carey because it's Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And this is like the ultimate Christmas love song, and when I think... Christmas romance, I think my chemical romance. It's perfect, you know? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they just go hand in hand. That's right. These guys are really romantics, as we discovered in their album that we covered. They would kill for love. They would literally and probably have killed for love. Kill over and over again. Allegedly. 
in looking up some information about this song, I also found that there's a mashup out there of this song, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, mashed up with My Chemical Romance's song, Welcome to the Black Parade. Oh, really? So there's another connection. Yeah, so it's actually pretty decent. I'm not sure who actually made it, but we'll uh, we'll splice a little bit in. I got a kick out of it. Yeah, let's give it a listen. I do have one funny story about the Mariah Carey version of the song, and whenever I hear that or the MCR version, it always brings me back. But freshman year of college, we had a man auction at one of our like frat houses on campus, mm-hmm. and the entire freshman rowing team were auctioned off to this song. We were essentially in our underwear, wrapped from head to toe in Christmas wrapping paper, and when the drop happens in the song, we all ripped it off, and everybody was wearing like... <laughs> man thongs and underwear with like <laughs> bells around our junk it was quite the scene so i always have that happy memory to look back to whenever i hear this song just hear those sleigh bells jingling ring ting tingling do did anybody bid on you oh yeah we went for a lot of money well there were like 10 of us so it was a deal what was it just like a date or we ended up having to like if you Go. can't say, if you can't say if there's like waivers. I've already and said too much, Mike. <laughs> non-disclosure agreements. Yeah, I'm under contract here. I can't, uh, you know. There's some very prominent people that could have some very prominent problems if this were to come to light. That's true. You know who you are, guys. <laughs> Looking at you, Alan Amico. Track number four is a newer Christmas song. It's Mayday Parade's I'm With You. This song was actually released last December, so definitely the newest song from the list. Instantly became one of my favorite pop punk songs. It has a cool kind of heavier intro. It starts with jingle bells, but the guitar and the drums and the rest of the instruments come in. And it's a lot heavier than a lot of these other songs. I think it's a happier song than some of the other ones on the list. I think it's kind of a combination of happy and sad, actually. There's a couple different emotions going on throughout the song. But what did you think of it, Mike? Had you heard this before? No, I had not. I haven't listened to a ton of Mayday Parade. Their singer Derek is the guy on that Knuckle Puck album, right? That's right, yeah. Cool. Yeah, up until you pointed it out to me, I hadn't listened to this one. Although, in my defense, it's only been around for one Christmas, so... That's true, yeah. I haven't had that much time to check it out. It's brand new, yeah. You're right. It does a great job of talking about some sad times at Christmas. You know, in the event that you lose a loved one, Christmas time, it's a very hard time of year to come to grips with that. Yeah, what they discuss is coming home for the holidays, spending time with the people you love, but then what do you do when you lose a loved one? And it makes you think about all the traditions that you've had with that person and all the family parties that you're going to have when they're not there. It reminded me a lot of 
when we discussed Newfound Glory's album Sticks and Stones. They had the song Sunny, which was about Jordan's, the lead singer's grandfather who passed away. And all those memories of this person that come rushing back when you go to these family parties and they're not there anymore. And I kind of thought of that. And it was specifically about Christmas and what happens when you don't see those loved ones anymore on Christmas. It's funny because I picked the Blink song and you picked this song, but it involves my Aunt Teresa again. So my Aunt Teresa and my grandmother lived in the same house prior to my grandmother passing away, and that's where we always went for Christmas Eve. So I remember the first Christmas Eve after my grandma had passed away, being back in the same house that we had gone to you know, every year prior. It was a very weird feeling. And one of the nice parts of that is you're with family, you're with all these people that care about you and you're all kind of going through the same grief. Mm -hmm. And so there's sadness, but you also think about you're really grateful for all the people you have that care about you and that are close to you. And that yeah. is a weird feeling that's only possible through that type of heartbreaker or loss. Yeah, you're exactly right. I think it speaks to, again, the holidays being this strange time where it's when everybody's kind of at their happiest, but you can't help but think about these sad thoughts and emotions too. And this is just kind of one of them that obviously comes back. Yeah, I think sometimes with the holidays is there's this pressure or this expectation to make them as good or better than previous ones. Yeah. Like I said, I never had a worse Christmas, but there's always Christmases where you think this was a really fun Christmas. And so there's always this pressure of, if you're hosting, it's like, oh, I need to live up to these expectations. And I think a good goal is to just enjoy the day for what it is, for whatever it may bring, because it comes but once a year, Keenan. That it does, Mike. And you don't always get to see these family members forever. So remember that. So cherish them when you have them. And that's what they say in the song, too. That's true. So it is a nice sentiment. It's a good song. And I think Mayday Parade, they have a tendency to write really heartfelt songs. If you really get into them you'll notice that they have very fun, upbeat, pop-punk sounding songs, but they also have a lot of really slow songs in their back catalog. And this one is kind of both. It's very loud and upbeat and aggressive at times, and it's kind of very slow and emotional at other times. I think they do a really good job of finding that balance. And there, there was a line that kind of struck me, and I wanted to gauge your opinion on this. Hit me. The opening line is, well, it's cold outside, the winter is frozen, the fire is cozy and keeping us warm. How many pop punk songs do you think have the word cozy in them? Cozy? Um, yeah. Hmm. The fire is cozy and keeping us warm. Yeah, probably count on one hand. And by yeah. one hand, I mean probably one finger, and I think it's probably this song. As soon as I heard that line, though, I just settled in like, ooh, yeah, this is yeah. nice and cozy. It's a good feeling song. It makes you feel good. Mayday, mayday. This song will make you feel good. <laughs> yeah, warning. <laughs> Track number five, Keenan. Weezer. 
Oh, Holy Night. Another cover that's true to the original, I think. Definitely. Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill. I call this a church song. So it's like a Christmas song that you might hear in church, not just on the radio. Definitely a church song, yeah. But it's one of my favorite religious Christmas songs. It's one of mine too. And in particular, there's one part of it that always stands out to me as just like one of the best parts in any religious Christmas song. And it's the part where they sing, fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices, oh, night divine, oh, night when Christ is born. You know that part? Oh, yeah. It's like a very powerful part of the song. It is. And part of why I love hearing this song in church on Christmas Eve or Christmas, I love seeing if the choir or the cantor is able to hit all the notes in this song. Mm, Yeah, it's a challenging one. Yeah, it's not easy to just run through this. Like, this is no joy to the world. This is professional, you know? Yeah. But I think Rivers does a really good job with it. Yeah, I think the whole band does. It's a really good song. It's a really good cover. It was released in December 2008. It actually comes from their Christmas with Weezer EP, and they released a bunch of Christmas songs, uh, and this was one of them that they included. It was. This song specifically reminds me of, in high school at the prep, there was one day right before Christmas break that the seniors would congregate in the main lobby of the school and sing Christmas songs essentially disrupting the entire school day. Do you remember that? Yeah. So if you want to talk about like worst Christmas memories or worst Christmases. Uh-oh. Um, You're going to take my very fun, happy moment and twist it and make it negative? Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess I am. Okay, cool. <laughs> so it's like our Christmas mass and everybody's excited to go home. I missed it. I wasn't there that day. Where were you? I had a doctor's appointment in the morning. So... That's great. Miss Mass. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's okay. But the chain of events was I missed the Mass, and then as soon as I got to school, I had to go and make up a math test. And as I was doing my math test, I could hear people singing in the foyer. So you missed it? Yeah. Oh. So I missed it. Sorry to bring that up. It's okay. I mean, 
I'm sure it was really fun. It's just like the highlight of every single senior year. So. It was literally the most fun thing I ever did, probably in my <laughs> life, actually. It was great. I was taking a geometry test that I probably got a D on. <laughs> yeah, definitely with that distraction. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. That was so much fun. I remember everybody goes five golden rings. That's what you remember? <laughs> that we sang the one lyric that was in the song? I remember everybody saying how fun it was when everybody did that. <laughs> it was a lot of fun when we did five golden rings. I remember that. Well, the thing is, the way that the prep is set up is the foyer, you can look down on it. It's just like a big square. So there's windows right. looking down the foyer. So all the underclassmen look down on the seniors singing every year. And it's like this cool rite of passage. You can miss first period do this and not get in trouble yeah so it's something you're like i can't wait till we can do that so that's how i know what happens there but i never was able to partake in it oh yeah it's awesome i'm pretty sure people are like crowd surfing in this mass of like <laughs> a couple hundred guys and inevitably like somebody like rips their shirt off and starts whipping it around and yeah it was just awesome it was so much fun and it was yeah. you're basically just belting christmas carols as you're packed into essentially a mosh pit of guys in prep uniforms it was great Sorry you missed it, Mike. It's the ultimate dream. <laughs> it is. Not to rub it in anymore, but it was great. And boy, did we belt this one, Mike. Oh, holy night. <laughs> I think I'm going to go on record and say this is my favorite church song. It's just that one line, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. What a cool feeling. Like, you're just exhausted, and it's like, everything sucks. And it's like, hold up. Jesus Christ is born. Yeah. And everything's chill again. And I love in church when they play the Weezer version of this song, too. I always <laughs> yeah. request it. Yeah. <laughs> just slip an extra five spot in the collection basket yeah they're good with it it's like a piano bar you just go up to the front and drop a tip in with your request exactly yeah <laughs> while you're getting your eucharist <laughs> the sixth track little drummer boy by the almost i'll go on record and say that little drummer boy is probably my favorite religious christmas song i know it's kind of a random one but i think it was because back in the day when I was really young, I would play the drums and then I'd hear this song and I just thought that it was cool that they were talking about a drummer in church. But I always love this song. I love the prum pa pum pum part. Um, and then the almost version is, I think is incredible. The Almost is a band that I didn't really know a whole lot about, and it wasn't until I saw the music video for this song that I realized who The Almost actually is. Did you know that the frontman for The Almost is actually Under Oath's drummer and vocalist Aaron Gillespie? No, I did not. That is interesting. And Under Oath, they were Christian, right? I think they were Christian, yeah. So is The Almost considered in that drama too, or...? I believe so. In fact, I think the Almost is featured on some Christian pop punk compilation albums. As I was doing some research, I, I noticed that too. This song itself was on their acoustic EP. Hey, acoustic, there you go. <laughs> no Gift to Bring. 
It was featured with a handful of other songs. I think this was actually the only Christmas song on that EP. And it was released in 2008. Did I say that? can't remember. But That's weird. Since they named it after a line from this song. That's right. It's funny because Little Drummer Boy never really did a whole lot for me. Like he didn't do a lot for you? Like the actual guy? The song itself. Oh, the song. Okay, not the boy. Right. And I think gotcha. part of the reason was one of those old claymation movies. I think there was one about the Little Drummer Boy, and I just really didn't like it. Oh, I love that one. Okay, well, that's. I guess that might be part of it. I always associated the song with that movie, and I just did not want to watch that movie. So. Oh, I see. What is your favorite claymation Christmas movie? Rudolph. You like Rudolph the best? Yeah. What are the other ones? Year Without a Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Frosty the Snowman isn't claymation. It's just kind of a cartoon. But I kind of group those together. It's a cartoon, and then the snowman, Burl Ives, is kind of claymation, but that's just intermittently throughout, I think. Right. Yeah, those are the key ones, I think. Your favorite's Rudolph. I think my favorite is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's the one with the Burger Meister Meister Burger, right? I don't know. The Year Without Santa Claus has Heat Miser, right? That's right. I think that's the only other one I ever really watched. Oh, so. man, you got to watch more of them. I remember Rudolph being not that long. They were all pretty short. Okay. Yeah, I think they were all like maybe an hour long, if that, like 45 minutes to an hour. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I loved Rudolph. The other ones, I don't know what it, what it is. Hmm. Maybe I can rewatch them now that I'm older. Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to, yeah. They're probably made for 30-year-olds anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Full disclosure, I actually watched <laughs> two of them last night, so um, <laughs> they're very good. I watched Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's the one with the Burger Meister Meister Burger. And then we watched the Frosty the Snowman one, which is not really claymation, but they're very good. Yeah. See, I love Frosty. I yeah, love Frosty's that one as good. well. Yeah. So I think the Little Drummer Boy one, that's one that I haven't rewatched at all recently. I don't know how many times I've actually seen it. Because it sucks. It doesn't suck. You suck. Just kidding. You don't suck. But having <laughs> thank you. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> having said that, I really do like the version that the Almost puts out here. It's good. So it's an acoustic song with kind of heavier drums. I think that's what makes it so different is that blend of acoustic guitar with loud drums and then his very sort of powerful, aggressive singing, especially later in the song. There's one part in the song really late where he goes, me and my drum. And you know that part. Mm -hmm. That's the best part of this song. It is. And he really belts it out. That is a fantastic part. Yeah. Just kind of like isolated vocals. I probably couldn't have told you many lines from the song other than Purum Pum Pum Pum. Mm -hmm. But I was reading through it and it's kind of funny. Like, the story is the little drummer boy doesn't have any gift fit for Jesus. Yeah, he's a poor boy, yeah. Right. 
And at one part he says, shall I play my drum for you? Pa pum pum. And then the next line is, Mary nodded. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I'm just imagining this kid like, uh, I don't have anything for Jesus, but do you mind if I just rock out for a minute? <laughs> yeah. And Mary's like, of course, please. In front of this infant? Yeah. yeah. Wait, is the little drummer boy just that weird guy at the party that brings his acoustic guitar and it's like, hey, do you guys mind if I just rock out? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. He is. Okay, so he's actually a scumbag is what you're saying. Yeah, he's the guy with uh, bongo drums trying to get like a, oh, nice. a peace circle started or something. Around the bonfire, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, are you about to ruin this song for me? <laughs> and can you imagine like little baby Jesus has just been born. Yeah. He has the weight of knowing that he is going to save all mankind. You think he knew it back then? Whether he did or not, I, I can't say for certain, but... All he wants to do is sleep, and he has this poor kid in there. <laughs> not a rich kid, <laughs> not a kid with nice gifts, just this little poor bastard going, Yeah, he couldn't bring any frankincense, he couldn't bring any myrrh, he couldn't bring any gold, but he brought that noisy-ass drum of his. It's said that Jesus never sinned, but I bet you if he was old enough to walk and get out of that manger, he would have <laughs> punched this kid across the face. <laughs> wow, that's a bold statement. Uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't think Jesus would have hit a kid. No, probably not. Even if he was a kid, no. Uh, I've never been a dad, Mike. I've never had to raise an infant, but I'm pretty sure that pounding on a drum for extended periods of time is not conducive to healthy upbringing. Yeah, it's disruptive. It's actually kind of funny you mentioned that because Jack has been discovering different sounds lately. Mm. And one of his favorite things to do is he has a puzzle with wooden farm animals and he takes the pieces and bangs them on this glass bowl that we have in our breezeway just to make a clanging noise. In your what? In your breezeway? Yeah, like in our front room. Oh. That's a word I'm I'm learning for the first time. A sunroom, a breezeway. It's like the... Oh, okay. I don't know. The room where you come into the house. Oh, okay. Cool. You've never heard the term of breezeway? No, literally never. Hmm. Mudroom, maybe? Yeah, but except we don't just throw our dirty shit in it, so... Oh, that's all we do at the Clark household. <laughs> <laughs> you just come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essentially. Wait, so you just leave the door open so breezes can just whip through? It has windows on each side, so it's like a cooler room. Okay. Sunroom. I think I've heard sunroom before. I'm not here to explain mid-20th century architecture to you, okay? Yeah, that's fair. That's our other podcast, which is <laughs> called um, Mid-20th Century Architecture with the Boys. <laughs> so he clangs on this glass bowl. I'm like, he's either going to break the bowl and hurt himself. Yeah. So I bought him like a little bell because I thought he would like that. So, and he, and he does. He like rings it. It's really cute. And then yesterday morning, I hear him. And he's just banging the bell onto the glass bowl. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So he's like, oh, perfect. Dad got me an even better instrument yeah. to just bash the hell out of this bowl. You made it even worse. So you're saying that Jack is the original little drummer boy, I think is what you're saying. Yeah. That's cool. I'm saying I understand from Jesus' perspective. It's like, that was very nice little drummer boy. Thank you. Yeah. You can go now. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> It's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> Track number seven, Reliant K. Merry Christmas. Here's to many more. Reliant K, they're a Christian pop punk band. They are. And I think there's a trend developing with our last few songs here, Keenan. I think you might be right, Mike. Mm -hmm. 
This song was featured in their second Christmas album, which was released in October 2007, called Let It Snow, Baby, Let It Rain, Dear. Get it, Mike? <laughs> yes. These guys are too witty for us, Mike. They were a band that enjoyed their wittyisms. Their first Christmas album was called Deck the Halls, Bruise Your Hand. Oh, man, these guys. <laughs> Absolute tricksters. Those albums contain a lot of really good Christmas songs. And some of my favorite Christmas covers, this one, however, was an original piece that they wrote and composed for that Christmas album. It was indeed. I think the overall theme is Christmas being a pretty special time of year. What I kind of liked, which I thought was somewhat cynical on their part, was they compare it to the rest of the year. And they sort of explain that the rest of the year is kind of a struggle trying to just get to the holidays, trying to get to Christmas. Like the rest of the year is just kind of sad and long and you're constantly working and putting up with all the issues that are going on in your life. But once the holidays come, now all of a sudden it's a fun, special time of the year. Tired eyes, I stumble back to bed. I need to realize my sorry life's not hanging by a thread. At least not yet. So look at me now. It's finally Christmas and I'm home. Headed doors to get out of this weather. And I don't know how, but the closest friends I've ever known are all inside. Singing together, singing Merry Christmas, here's to many more. I do find myself doing that as well. From Thanksgiving until New Year, I think everybody sort of checks out a little bit mentally, emotionally. It's like the brunt of the year is behind us. We have a couple of nice vacation days. We get to see people that we love. And you can let your guard down for a month or so. It is kind of interesting how December feels so different from the rest of the year. It's like as soon as you hit December 1, as soon as you're done with Thanksgiving, you're basically in a totally different time of year. It's like a whole different existence. Why is that? It's Christmas, baby. It's just that Christmas magic, baby. <laughs> but like why? Like why? Why don't we do that for like July 4th? Why don't we have a whole month in July where we're like, okay, let's put up decorations for a whole month and listen to one type of music for the whole month. It's just weird that like Christmas became that holiday. Yeah, you're right. Everything in December is planned around Christmas. It's not it like is. everything in July isn't planned around Independence Day. Your whole life changes for 30 days. I think a lot of that is the commercialism that has sprung up around Christmas. So it's not just Christmas Day, December 25th. If it were just that, that's one thing. But it's like, all right, make sure you get your presents. Make sure you order things on time. Make sure... You get the photos done, the Christmas cards sent out. So there is this whole like prepping period 
right that you need to go through before you just relax and enjoy your Christmas dinner with your family. Yeah, there's just a lot of activity and a lot of build up to the holiday. But I think that's kind of what they're getting at is like there is something fun and different and special about this time of year and oftentimes we're in the middle of the spring or the middle of summer and we're like, "Oh, I just wish it was Christmas again. I I miss seeing family and taking part in those special traditions during Christmas." Yeah, one thing that they allude to in the chorus which I I really like is Matt Thiessen sings I don't know how, but the closest friends I've ever known are all inside singing together, singing Merry Christmas, here's to many more. And that always makes me think, in my family, we do sit around and sing Christmas carols together. Mm -hmm. Christmas Eve, we usually celebrate with my dad's side of the family. And there's always a portion of the night where we sing a couple Christmas carols. And then on Christmas Day, we go to Abby's uncle's and we do the same thing there. And I was thinking, Christmas is the only time outside of singing like happy birthday that I ever sit around with people and just like sing some songs. Yeah, that's true. That's honestly like a pretty cool, like nobody's embarrassed. It's like, Hey, let's just sing badly and just like enjoy our time together. Yeah, for sure. I really love that line in in this song. Yeah, that is cool. That's funny because my family does not do anything like that. Like obviously we have our own Christmas traditions, but we're not a family that'll like sit around the piano and sing all the, the Christmas hits. But I know that that's a very, obviously, very common thing. So you're saying my, my family's a, a bunch of weirdos? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that, Mike. But yes, I'm saying that, yeah. No, of course not, Mike. But okay. I kind of wish my family, you know, did that. Although I, I've heard my family sing, and it's probably for the best that that's not a tradition. Yeah, that's tough because at this point in time, it's like you can't really go home and be like, um, hey guys, uh, I thought it would be nice if we all sang yeah, this no, year. Not gonna like, happen. no, we don't do that here. Yeah, uh, Keenan, get out. You know we don't do that. If it hasn't always been a thing, then it's hard to make it a thing. Yeah, and I'm not going to be the guy that tries to uh, institute that new tradition. That's for sure. No. You'd have to go at it with a committee of sorts. That's right, yeah. You need some buy-in somewhere, for sure. <laughs> One thing that is also brought up that they all kind of brought up, really, but as I was re-listening to the song and kind of reading the lyrics... For some reason, it just kind of jumped into my head. But obviously, like many Christmas songs, they talk about the weather being cold and going inside where it's warm and nice and you're surrounded by people and the warm fire and things like that. One thing that I never really took the time to think about is there are places in the world like Australia where right now it's the middle of the summer and they celebrate Christmas in the middle of the summer. Everything that we know about Christmas and all the songs that we're just bombarded with every year is all about it being a white Christmas and it being cold and and what are their Christmases like? Do they listen to songs like that? They can't, right? Yeah, they wouldn't really make sense. I mean, have you ever thought of that? But what do people in California listen to? They don't really have white Christmases in some parts of the West Coast or Texas. That's true. I don't know. They probably still enjoy the songs. But I feel like they at least kind of get it because they've grown up with it. But if you've grown up in Australia right, and like it's the summer there. Do we have any listeners in Australia? Oh, yeah. Most of them. Oi, mates. <laughs> yeah. Talk to them as they would want to be talked to, yeah. Let's lose any listeners we might have out yeah. there. Did you find any stories or testimonials about Christmas in Australia? So I inevitably did some research. I wanted to see if you had any thoughts on that, but... No, I'm guessing it's just it's what they've always known and they don't really think of it as weird. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was just kind of surprised that I had never really thought about that. Yeah, like you're so smart and you question everything <laughs> and like you're always are trying to That's gain right. knowledge. So I'm so surprised that you never 
yeah. pondered this. I never took the time to really think about this one. Yeah. <laughs> I did some research and apparently their traditions are obviously very summer related. Like they'll do barbecues as opposed to these big wintry parties inside. But apparently a lot of the same themes they have there. Like they do have songs about it being cold outside and it being snowy. Like I think those things are all still the same. They still have a Christmas tree. They still have the same sort of winter decorations that you'd put up around the house. But I think just what they do, the parties they have are more summer themed. Right. Like they'll have pool parties or they'll go to the beach. It's kind of interesting. It's a whole different perspective of the holidays though. I could get down with that for I could get down with that too. One or two Christmases. Sure, why not? Yeah. You have people that are snowbirds that try to travel for the holidays and go to a warmer climate. Sometimes you gotta spread those wings, Mike. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, let's let's throw another shrimp on the Barbie. Jesus Christ is born. Oh god. Was that good? Um That was more like um how do you define good? Um, that was more like the British, like Cockney. Yeah, it was more of a British accent saying Australian things. Yeah. That's okay. I'll give it to you. Thanks. The final song that we wanted to discuss, and this is my favorite pop punk Christmas song, which is also fairly newly discovered in the last couple of years. It's called His Favorite Christmas Story by the band Capital Lights. He met her up in Delaware in 1937 She was wearing red lipstick to match her pretty dress December 24th at a quarter till eleven's When he finally gained the courage to ask her to dance It was love at first sight The carolers sang as they danced through the night She was a small town girl He was a traveling guy He never caught her name before they said their goodbyes What I'll also say is I discovered this song on a Spotify playlist called Pop Punk Christmas which uh, has been around for a few years now and a lot of these songs actually I heard for the first time or I was reminded of listening to that Spotify playlist. That Spotify playlist has a lot of really good pop-punk covers and pop-punk originals. But it's not as good as two guys sitting around and talking about those songs. That's right. There's nothing as good as that, Mike. Which you can also hear on Spotify. Yeah, we just signed a $100 million exclusive deal. (laughs) We did, yeah. Can't wait to see that money, Mike. Capital Lights were also a Christian band, is that correct? They are, yeah, or they were. They've since broke up, but yes, they were a Christian band. That doesn't really make a difference. I just feel like Christian bands are probably so in tune with the season. This is their bread and butter. It's like time to do what we were made for, boys. Let's go out and like be excited that Jesus Christ is born. Yeah. Well, I think the difference you'll see is that this song is, in my opinion, very poignant and very powerful and has a lot of kind of good emotion behind it, whereas... A non-Christian band, like a Blink-182, is all about chasing people with bats and going to jail for it. So (laughs) I do think they take these songs a little bit more seriously, for sure. What is this song about, Keenan? Is this a story song? This song is kind of a cool story song, and it does have a really interesting narrative behind it. But the setting is Christmas Eve in Delaware in 1937, which he says at the very beginning of the song. And it's about a guy who meets a girl on Christmas Eve at a bar or club 
gets the courage to ask her to dance. They spend this like one magical night together. He never catches her name. They go their separate ways. He basically spends the rest of his life traveling around. And on every Christmas Eve, he tells a story about this perfect Christmas he had when he met this woman, but lost contact with her. And then towards the very end of the song, he's on his deathbed, he's alone, he never married, he never had kids. And instead of somebody asking him to tell his favorite Christmas story, he asked the nurse who's holding his hand what her favorite story is. He said, ma'am, could you share a little holiday cheer? A simple Christmas story's all he wanted to hear. But his eyes filled with tears at the words she spoke because his favorite Christmas story was the one that she told. She said, I met him up in Delaware in 1937. Though I never caught his name, he was a traveling man. December 24th at a quarter till 11. I'm so glad he got the courage to ask me to dance. And she tells the exact same story, and it turns out that she's the woman from the beginning. Holy <laughs> Yeah. Pretty wild, huh, Mike? If you don't have three and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a Shyamalan twist for the ages. It is indeed, yeah. They throw a curveball at you for sure. This is a very good song, and as you said, it does have a nice message, I think. Um... <laughs> It's a bit unbelievable. The first time I heard it, I was like, whoa, at the ending. But I was also like, okay. Did this really happen? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I did like it. I liked the story behind it. There were a couple things that I wouldn't say bother me, but that raised some eyebrows. Let's hear them. So first of all. Here we go. I've never had somebody. Have you ever had somebody in your life where it's like, they change your life forever and you don't know their name and you think of them every day, but you know you're never going to see them again or most likely you won't see them again. Mike, you sweet, sweet, innocent boy. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time it was love at first sight and we went our separate ways. All right. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, no, realistically, no, not really. But, you know, you've been settled down for a long time now, Mike. So that's true. I mean, but this guy, like he bases his life on this story. Essentially, like, yeah. It becomes his shick. Yeah. Do you say shick? Shick. Like the shick quattro? The shick. The shick quattro. <laughs> we've had this exact conversation Dude, before. We haven't had this conversation, but we've had a misunderstanding about a razor before. Naralco. <laughs> yeah, you keep calling it Naralco, and it's Norelco. <laughs> and now you're calling shtick a shick? Shick. It's shtick. Shtick. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you don't mispronounce something that I think most people know how to pronounce at least once an episode, it's just not a real episode, you know? Look, my mind's moving a mile a minute. Sometimes my tongue can't keep up, you know? That's a fair point, yeah. Okay, so yeah, to your point, yeah, he makes it his shtick. But he tells kids every year, it's like, tell us a story. It's like, let me tell you this story about this girl. Yeah. And it's a nice story. The other problem, by my calculation, the guy is around 73 when he is passing away. Sure. Because it says at 53, he had settled down and just basically accepted that he had sacrificed family and a wife for his career and a life on the road. Right. And then it ends by saying 20 years after that. So around when he's 73, he's in the process of dying. And the only thing I could think of is like, if this woman was around his age back when they first met, like, yeah. let that lady retire, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why is a 73-year-old woman still working as a nurse in the emergency ward? Yeah. It's like when, you, when you're when you wearing a red polo shirt in Target and somebody thinks you work there. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's get you back to your room there. It's like, oh, yeah. no, I'm a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure you are. Sure you are. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It's a great point. Yeah, she was a very old woman working in this hospital that just so... I mean, you're hung up on that fact. Are you not more hung up on the fact that the hospital that he just happened to go to and <laughs> the deathbed that he happens to be on, she just happens to be the nurse working there? They don't even say that it was back in Delaware. It could have been anywhere in the country. It could have been anywhere in the world, really. And she just happens to be the one there. But you know what, Mike? That's the point. That's the power of love. And Christmas. And Christmas. Love and Christmas together. If you have both of those combined, you can accomplish anything. That's what this song's trying to say, Mike. Do you get it now? Except just getting a girl's name. That's right, yeah. And like asking her out. <laughs> Let's point out the other unbelievable thing. He spent an entire night with this woman. He was dancing with her, cracking jokes, having fun, and not once did either of them ask for the other person's name. It's also 1937. It's not like today where it's like our culture is just so removed from introductions and like, hi, how are you? Like he probably would have gone up and said, may I have this dance? My name is Jim. And she would have said, oh, lovely, I'm Penny. You know, I don't know. Penny, yeah. Penny. Definitely Penny, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I totally agree with you. Names were all they had back then. They didn't have cell phone numbers. <laughs> was, they didn't, they didn't have an Insta. Check out my Insta. Yeah. Yeah. They knew names, father's names, and addresses. That was it, yep. He didn't bother catching one of them, but he fell in love with this lady. Still, it is a really good song. Yeah. I was just very surprised by it because the first time I heard it, I was expecting to hear like another Blink-182 Christmas song that was full of hijinks and pranks and things like that. And this one had a cool message and a cool story behind it. It's pretty, uh, pretty surprised. Pretty cool. Pleasantly surprised. Is Delaware the smallest state? Not by area, no. Rhode Island? Rhode Island is. Okay. But it's the first state. It is the first state. And Pennsylvania is a Keystone state. Hell yeah. Those are eight of our top pop punk Christmas songs. We hope you guys enjoyed them. 
We hope you'll go listen to the full songs now. We think they're all great. Obviously, that only scratches the surface. So I think what we'd like to do is we'd like to share a playlist that Mike has been hard at work at. Isn't that right, Mike? That's right. We can probably just post it in the show notes. Yeah, I'd probably do that. It has some others on there that we didn't get to, but hopefully we're still around this time next year and we can discuss more then. Oh, man. Fingers crossed. <laughs> in the meantime, we are hard at work on season two. But if you'd like to get in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at Pop Punk Project, Patreon.com slash Pop Punk Project, and Gmail, shoot us a line. We will respond. We do get back in touch with you. Poppunkproj at gmail.com. But we do hope you all have a great holiday season. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy Kwanzaa. And as always, we hope you have the time of your lives. I don't, I forgot. Good riddance. It's been a while. Shtick. Shtick. <laughs> Shtick.